will dismiss all the children up to age eight. If you'd like to go to children's church, all the children, open your Bibles with me to the book of Philippians, the New Testament book of Philippians chapter three. And while you're turning, let me again say we certainly appreciate you being here. We hope you can say it has been a blessing. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. And uh, we're just... uh, so good, every opportunity we have to come together and minister to one another and, of course, share the gospel with those who may need to know the Lord. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, the New Testament book of Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Philippians 3, verse 1, finally, my brethren, Rejoice in the Lord. Someone said the Apostle Paul was a typical preacher. For he would say finally, and he would only be about halfway through his message. And uh, and that's exactly true because he still, he went two chapters and said finally, and he still got two chapters to go. Actually, that word finally there doesn't imply Now, in conclusion, it would more imply now in summary. And it's as though the Holy Spirit through Paul is saying, you can summarize all that I'm saying in all four chapters in this. Rejoice in the Lord. Amen. As a matter of fact, many remind us that the theme of these four chapters in Philippians is the theme of joy and rejoicing. You just find it mentioned over and over again in these four chapters of the book of Philippians. And so he's saying, finally, or in summary, the bottom line uh, of all this is, or the thrust of all this is, find your joy and rejoice, my brethren, in the Lord. I mentioned in Sunday school this morning that There has been, seems like an awful lot of sickness, and we've mentioned already, we've had several family members and different ones pass away, and we've got folks who are seriously ill. And I mentioned in Sunday school, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but sometimes we read the whole world through our own spectacles, you know, that it just seems like there's uh, a lot more discouragement, or, and I don't want to use the word depression and despondency, but... It just seems like just in intermingling with one another, you just get these vibrations that, and then there's a lot of concern for our homes, our children, our teens, and even our nation and so forth. And uh, I was reminded of what Nehemiah told us back in the Old Testament. He said, the joy of the Lord is your watch. Strength. Don't let the, you know, and I know it's easy to say that when the life bill's paid and everything's going good, but don't let the devil rob you of the joy of the Lord. Amen. That's what the book of Philippians is all about. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, there's a story, and we won't take time to look it up now, but way back in 1 Samuel chapter 30, Way back in 1 Samuel chapter 30, there's a story of something that happened in the life of David. He and his soldiers had been out, and when they came home, the Amalekites had come in and had burnt their town down and carried all their wives and children off. I'd say that's a pretty serious problem. And you know what? The people turned on David. And we do that. We, 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 we take our frustrations out on the cat or the dog or the spouse or somebody, don't we? We're just human. And they turned on David 
and were ready to stone him. And you know what the Bible says David did? He encouraged himself in the Lord. (laughs) Isn't that something? Why? Because the Lord's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so here's Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit saying, hey, the bottom line to all of this is this. Are you joying in God today? Rejoice in the Lord. Now, it's not so much the word finally that I want to call your attention to, although I've mentioned that. And it's not so much the word rejoice. But I want you to notice, he said, finally, my brethren, rejoice in who? Who? The Lord. The Lord. Now, I want, I've asked myself this question already in preparing the sermon, but I ask it to myself again, and I ask you this today. Is this wonderful, wonderful Jesus that we've been singing about this morning, we just celebrated His birth, and that name Jesus is precious to us. Why? Thou shalt call His name Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. And thank God for Jesus And I hope you're a born-again Christian today and you know Jesus as your Savior. If not, you can call on Him today and be saved. But I want to ask you a question. Do you have a Lord today? Do you have a Master? Is this Jesus truly my Lord and Master? Fifteen times in these four chapters, at least fifteen times, we find that title or that name, Lord, Lord. He not only wants to be my Savior, He wants to be the Lord and Master of my life. The Lord Jesus Christ. Christ means the anointed. Christ is more of a title than a name. It means the anointed one. And when I think of Christ, I think of the future. Jesus is coming back to rule and reign. But you know what? He wants to be king in my life today. He wants to rule and reign in my life today. Now, we struggle with that, don't we? Let's just be honest. Can we be honest with each other? We struggle with that. There are times when we would say, yes, he's Lord and Master, and sometimes I usurp the authority and I call my own shots in my life. And sometimes things work out and sometimes there's a price to pay for it. But hopefully, and and to me, This is a good challenge for me and all of us as we begin another new year. Do I have a genuine Holy Spirit desire in my heart today for Jesus not just to be my Savior, but to be my Lord and to be my Master? Notice what Paul said in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21. Chapter 1 and verse 21. He said, "For For to me to live... Philippians 1 verse 21. Philippians 1 21. For to me to live is what? Christ. Somebody put it this way. What causes you to come alive? Now, you know, now I'm not picking on, you know, some, somebody might say sports. And, and, you know, and somebody, man, did you see him come alive? Others may talk about eating. Or somebody might mention chicken. Did you see the preacher come alive? <laughs> you know? And we do that, don't we? We we say, well, you mentioned, did you see that little girl? She just came alive, you know. Well, does the thought of Christ 
and the things of God grab your heart and attention and cause you to come alive. Paul said, for me to live is Jesus Christ. Now, you know, I know people say, well, you can get so heavenly minded, you're of no earthly good. Well, let's face it, folks. Most of us, if we have a problem and we're so earthly minded, we're of no heavenly good. Is that not true? What did Paul, now we know reality, we have responsibilities as husbands, as families and all this. But what was Paul saying? Well, he put it another way in verse, uh, in, in there in chapter 1, in verse uh, 10, or verse 20 of chapter 1, he says, according to my earnest expectation, I hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body. For me to live is Christ. And so what Paul was saying, what, what, a, what a goal, what a, what a New Year's resolution, what a desire, what an ambition. If the Holy Spirit of God could get a hold of our hearts today, individually, from the youngest to the oldest, and say, the, the desire of my heart this year is truly that Jesus Christ be pleased, that Jesus Christ be honored. That Jesus, that, that I would live for His honor, seek His will in all matters, share Him with others, lead others to Christ. That's what, whether I'm going to the grocery store, uh, whether it's spending time with my grandkids, whether it's coming to church, oh, that Christ, that it all might truly be for the glory of Jesus Christ and that He is truly Lord and Master. Now, I'll guarantee you, you're going to have some struggles along the way, you know? But isn't that the desire that we ought to have in our hearts and lives? Now, the opposite of that, if you'll look at chapter 2 real quick, and verse 21, chapter 2 of Philippians in verse 21, Paul said, For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. Wow. See, now that's the struggle we have between chapter 2, verse 21, and chapter 1, verse 21. For me to live as Christ are seeking my own and my own things. Is that not true? And sometimes we're going to fail and fall short. But at least we could begin the year by saying, God, would you just do a work in my heart and help that desire to grow, that not, I don't want just a Savior, but I want Jesus to be Lord and Master and seek His will in all these matters. Now, you know, that's when, that's when you can say, I'm truly rejoicing in who? Not just my Savior, but in my Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. And as a matter of fact, down in chapter 3 and verse 8, Chapter 3, verse 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge. Now watch this. Of Christ Jesus, what's the next word? My Lord. In verse 1 he says, rejoice in the Lord. The question today is, chapter 3, verse 8. Is he my Lord? Is he Lord of my life? Is he, or is that least the desire. And maybe during this year I can grow spiritually and mature a little bit more and truly let the Lord Jesus Christ have His way. Does this make sense? Do you all understand a little bit what I'm trying to 
get across to us today. And I'm not trying to insult your intelligence. I just want to, are we communicating with each other? Are you with me? Please shake your head yes, whether you are with me or not, okay? All right. Now, very quickly, out of chapter 3, just to summarize chapter 3, let me share three thoughts with you real quick. Three reasons why we can rejoice in the Lord. First of all, in the first nine verses, and, and we're familiar, we, we emphasize this quite a bit around here, I think, at Valley Baptist Church, and hopefully we understand this. <clears throat> I can rejoice in my Lord this morning, first of all, because by the grace of God, now watch this, I can rest in His righteousness. <laughs> and that's the whole theme of the first nine verses of Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to read through these nine verses real quick. And if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can never be good enough to get your self-righteousness, your self-righteousness to where an absolutely holy God can accept it. You need the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen. You need His forgiveness and His righteousness. And once you come to know Christ as your Savior, you can rejoice and rest in His righteousness. Now, watch for this as we read these first nine verses. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Now, <laughs> these terms are talking about false teachers here, okay? And we don't have time to get into all this. And of course, it's all right to beware of dogs too, literal dogs, but, uh, but he's talking here about false teachers. And there's plenty of them going around, isn't there? Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Holy Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in this flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he have whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more, I was circumcised the eighth day, I was of the stock of Israel. I was of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Why, when it came to the law, I was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, you talk about religious zeal. Well, I persecuted the church. Touching the righteousness which is of the law, I was blameless. Wow. Paul was saying if anybody could get to heaven by being baptized, going to church, memorizing a verse of Scripture, having all their pins and medals for attending Sunday school without missing a Sunday, if anybody could get to heaven that way, it would be me. But look at verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for who? Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win or gain Christ, and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith, faith, of or in Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Oh, listen, do you know Jesus as your Savior? Have you been washed in the blood of Jesus? Are you resting in His righteousness? Or are you here today hoping and trusting that somehow your goodness, your sincerity, is going to be accepted by God one day and get you into heaven? Folk, I can tell you now, you don't have to wait till then. It'll be too late. It's not going to get you into heaven. He'll take your sins. And He'll give you His righteousness. Oh, what a blessing. And that ought to make you rejoice, amen? 
Rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because we're resting in His righteousness today. The second point is this. We'll pick up with verse 10 and go through verse 16. Is not only can we rest in His righteousness, but here's the section I really wish we had time to zero in on this morning. We can rely upon His resurrection. And what I mean by that is, we can rely upon His resurrection power. Paul said, writing to the Galatians, I am crucified with Christ. Now, he didn't mean I was literally crucified. What he was saying was, I'm identified with the crucifixion of Christ. I died when Christ died. Nevertheless, I live. But I'm alive. Yet the Christian life that I'm now living, I live by the faithfulness. I'm kind of paraphrasing a little bit. Of Jesus Christ. Folks, listen. Jesus Christ is still alive. Amen? He's in heaven. He's still ministering down here on earth. Well, how can He be ministering down here on earth if He's in heaven? He's ministering down here right now, this very moment, through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can take the Scriptures, the Word of God. If you're here today and you're unsaved, I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit is right now convicting you and convincing you of your sin and faith to trust Christ as your Savior. If you're here today as a believer, I'm, I'm trusting, I'm, ask, I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit is challenging each of our hearts to take this message serious and truly desire to let Jesus be our Lord and Master. Now, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know, I would trust Christ as my Savior, but I just can't live that kind of life. <sighs> you know, I get excited when I hear somebody say that. <laughs> Let me ask you, how, how many of you found out that you're able to live the Christian life all by yourself? Folk, if you haven't found out yet that you don't have what it takes to live the Christian life, you're in trouble. I'm as helpless to live the Christian life on my own as I was to save myself. Now, no, I know. Now, let's let's come back down to reality. I know we have responsibilities. There's prayer. There's Bible reading. There's Christian fellowship. All these things God uses, but it's it's Christ working. It's the Holy Spirit working. It's relying upon, and that's what Paul I think is picking up on in verse ten when he said that I may know Him. Now, he already knows him as his Savior. The word know there is a word which implies not so much gaining more knowledge up here, but experiential knowledge. Oh, that I might experience him. See, I know a fact today that Judy is my wife. And you know that as a fact, don't you? But I know it from experience, you see. There's a different kind of knowing that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection, that I may know something about the reality of this Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit living through me. And the whole message here is that I'm growing, that I'm maturing. I ought not to be the same Christian today that I was on January the 6th last year. Are you with me? Now, is that true or not? 
Now, I didn't say I should be more saved than I was a year ago. But I ought to be a little bit more like Jesus. I ought to have grown some. You know, you can go for... You know, if you see someone... These precious little babies been born. Aren't they precious? See them grow up. And my little granddaughter was sitting here on the front pew today. I shouldn't tell you this. I hope she is. She's in church. Y'all see this little girl up here with this hood on her head up here. I asked her after something. I said, uh, what are you wearing that coat? Are you cold? She said, no. I don't want anybody to see my hair. I said, you know, I'm saying, what, did you get bubble gummy anyway? She said, I got a haircut. I said, oh, let me see. She said, no. I said, it's kind of like wearing glasses, isn't it? When you put, she said, I got my haircut. I don't want anybody to see. I, oh, I, and she let me, she finally, I said, oh, it looks beautiful. It looks beautiful. Take it. And I looked down here. I, I started to go down there and try, you know, I said, take it. Don't let everybody see that. Now, you know, now the reason that happened. Now, don't y'all go up to her after church. Oh, the preacher's in the place. Now, come on, use some common sense. But I'm telling you, you know, isn't it good to see the kids grow up? And they hit these little ages where they're just self-conscious of everything, you know, and, and all that. Maybe by tonight. Y'all come back tonight. Maybe she won't have that coat on. You'll see. Tell her how beautiful she looks. You know? And uh, and you, you want to see these kids grow up. And in, and there are growing pains. One of my little grandsons the other day said, somebody's leg, and I said, oh, that means you're growing up. Well, that's what my mommy says every time I got a page. Oh, just growing pains, just growing pains. <laughs> well, spiritually speaking, there's growing pains along the way, isn't there? But you know what? If you don't see some signs of some growth and stuff, you begin to wonder, there's a problem here. And that's what Paul's talking about. He's not talking about some pie in the sky. He's just saying, oh, I'm glad I got a Savior, but and I'm resting in His righteousness, but I want to learn in 2019 how to rely upon a living Savior and the Holy Spirit. And God works through people. He can use you to help me grow and mature. And God, but it's God that's doing it. It's God in chapter. It's God that works. Matter of fact, He tells us in chapter two and verse thirteen. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Now the world says what you need is you need uh, initiative, you need ambition, you need assertiveness, you need uh, positive thinking, and all these things. And, and, and so, and by the way, did you know there's an element of truth to that? You need to just learn to meditate, open up your mind. <laughs> yeah, boy, boy, the devil can, uh, you know, you know. And, and the thing is, there's an element of truth in all that, but you don't just open up your mind to anything. You Memorize the verse of Scripture and you meditate on the Word of God. And Paul said in, again in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, yeah, I'm positive. I can do all things, but he didn't stop there. Through Christ who strengtheneth me. You see, if you leave Christ out of it, it's just humanism. It's ego. It's self. It's man-centered. And that's why it gets so sounds so good. But it's the devil's substitute and deceptive. Now, yes, we have responsibilities to pray. That's why it's important to come to church together. God can use all of this to help me grow. But the bottom line is, am I relying upon the Lord and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to grow and mature? The Apostle Peter put it this way, growing in the grace, not groaning in grace, but growing in the grace 
and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, very quickly, let me read verses 10 through 16 and see if you can get the message here of let's grow up, let's mature, let's not only rest in His righteousness, but let's in 2019 rely upon the power of His resurrection to help us grow up and not remain babes in Christ, but mature in the Lord. Verse 10, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings been made conformable unto His death. Oh, that I might die to self and live for Jesus, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, neither were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not... I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, can I, boy, I just, maybe during the year we can study some of these things. But Paul, there in, in, in verses 13 and 14, he has an athlete on his mind. And he says, you know, you train, you stretch, man, you give it all you got. I was getting a haircut yesterday, and uh, I was there, and a basketball game came on. Uh, Kentucky and Alabama. Kentucky and Alabama. They play. I'm, I'm doing good to remember the name of the two teams. And, uh, and I, if I heard it right, I was kind of, you know, and a, a 17-year-old was playing. And they made a shot or did something. I didn't catch it. And and the, and the announcer went, "Wow!" Said this guy, "What a future he's got." Said here, college student, only seventeen years old. Can you imagine what he's going to be like? Now, some of you, I don't know if he was on the Alabama team. And and the, and then they were talking about how that when all the other players have gone, he's still in the gym, practicing his shots, giving it all he's got, straining. Well, Paul applies that to the spiritual life. Now, can we just, you know, sometimes we just give it the least little bit. I mean, Bible reading, prayer, growing in the Lord, serving the Lord. We just give it enough to get by and ease our conscience. And that's, but you know what? If we want to be really growing and victorious, Paul says, listen, reaching forth, that stretching, agony, we get to word agonizing, pressing on by the grace of God. It's all not going to be a tiptoe through the tulips, folks. It's not all a picnic that we may learn to die to self and suffer with Christ and sacrifice and be willing to deny ourselves, say no to self at times and put the Lord first. It all comes back to saying, hey, who's Lord here? Are you with me, folks? Who's master? I don't know about you. I love a Savior, but this whole business of having a Lord and Master, (laughs) my flesh rebels against that, doesn't it? Huh? Come on now, folks. Listen. If we could get a grip on this, we're constantly asking questions. Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I go here? Should I go there? Should I wear this? Should I wear that? Should I say this? Should I not say this? Should I use this kind of language? Should I watch this program? Should I not watch this program? You know what would answer all those questions for you and me? It's not your opinion, my opinion. What do you think about this? What? 
If Jesus Christ is truly the Lord and Master of my life, that would answer a lot of questions for me, wouldn't it, folks? What does Jesus say? What, talk to, ask Jesus. He's your Lord. I'm not your Lord and Master. Ask Jesus. Young people, are you listening to me? Ask Jesus. Now, there's the difference between having a Savior and having one who's Lord and Master of your life. Resting, and that's what Paul's talking about. And in verse 15, he says, Let us therefore be perfect. And that word perfect there is talking about mature. Not talking about sinless perfection. Are you a mature Christian? Verse 15. Let us therefore, as many as be mature, be thus minded. Let's be like-minded, mature-minded. And if anything you be otherwise-minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Wow, what, what a verse. You know what Paul is saying? Listen. Now, there's not a one of us in here that's arrived yet, right? I remember what John Rohr's mother told me 40 years ago. Going out of a church door one day, she whispered in my ear and she said, Frankie, she said, you know what happens to a piece of fruit when it gets to the peak of ripeness? And I don't know if I, I know, I remember thinking this, I don't know if I actually said it to her. I, I thought it, I think I said it to her, you eat it. You eat it. <laughs> I'm a preacher, but I love to eat. And she said, well, you know what happens to it if you don't eat it? Once it reaches the peak of ripeness, it starts to rot. And she whispered, you know, every now and then there's a Christian around who thinks they've reached the peak of ripeness. and They don't know it, but they're starting to rot. And they stir up a stink everywhere they go. Now, folk, I'm going to tell you what. That kind of theology, you don't even learn at seminary, amen. Now, if you think you've arrived, <laughs> you're about to rot, amen. And you're not going to be a blessing to anybody. You're just going to stir up a stink everywhere you go. <laughs> no, we're all growing. Now, we don't want to go the other extreme and just say, well, I'm saved and going to heaven, so what? No, Paul said in verse, if there's areas in your life where you're not mature yet, you ask God to help you and pray about it. And during the year 2019, thank God for the areas we are growing in and there's areas we could all improve in. And God will patiently show you and work in your life. Resting in His righteousness, relying on His resurrection power. And then the third one I'll just mention quickly because we, we've mentioned this quite a bit. At the end of the chapter, <clears throat> verses 20 and 21, he reminds us to remember His return. <laughs> Remembering His return. He's coming again. Look at this. Verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from whence we also look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able even to subdue all things in Himself. Jesus Christ is coming again. He may come in 2019. Now in closing, I want you to look at verses 18 and 19 real quick. Finally. And take me serious on that, okay? Look at verse 18. For many walk of whom I've told you often and now tell you even weeping. Can you see the Apostle Paul either literally weeping or his heart is so burdened that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, and who mind what? 
What? Earthly things. Here's the question. Is it earthly or eternal? What am I going to live for in 2019? The earthly, which is all going to pass away one day. Even the good or eternity. The eternal. The earthly or the heavenly. Am I living for self and just the temporary pleasures and good things I... Now, all that has its rightful place. But am I going to live for the earthly or live for the eternal? Am I willing to allow Jesus to truly, am I, as I'm growing and progressing through this year, to truly be the Lord and Master of my life? You have to start somewhere, amen. And you could start today by just in your heart asking Jesus to be your Savior if you're not saved or to just give it all to Him and say with Paul, Lord, this is what I'd like. For, this is the place I'd like for you to bring me to. But I can say with Paul, for me to live is Jesus. For me to live is Christ. That's the bottom line. Let's pray together. Dear Holy Spirit, do for me what I can't do for myself. And each one of us here today, take the wonderful, wonderful truth of the Word of God today. Illuminate it to our understanding. Give us wisdom to take it and apply it to our lives. If there is one here today who is not saved, Lord, draw them to Jesus that they might be saved. Help those of us who are saved to rest in your righteousness, to learn how to rely upon your power and living the Christian life. Help us to grow and mature this year. And God, help us to look and long and love the coming of Jesus. What a day that will be when we see Christ. Lord, we have so much. No wonder Paul said, the summary of all this is to rejoice in the Lord. The joy that only the Holy Spirit can give us. We have so much to be happy about. May it be a reality in our lives today. Father, we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you stand with me please and we always like to give an invitation. And the purpose of the invitation is to challenge you to make a decision. Make a choice today. You're going to make some kind of choice. You can you make a choice to just immediately forget about everything that's said and go on your way. Or you make a choice or decision to trust Christ as your Savior. And, and so we, we've heard the truth. And James says, let's not just be hearers, but let's be doers. While the piano is playing right now softly, Children, young people, mom, dad, grandpa, grandma, let's make decisions in our heart that count for time and eternity. <laughs> let's ask God as, we, as a church family, as brothers and sisters in Christ, let's ask God to help us take this truth and make it practical in our lives and in choices and decisions that we make even before this day's over. Let's truly say, Jesus... I never, thought, I never thought to ask you what your will would be, what you would have me to do. Now, you know, you know, if you say, God, do you want me to eat at Hardee's or McDonald's? He may not care. You know, that's, we don't, I'm not talking about being foolish about things, but in all the choices of our life, Lord, what would you have me do? I not only want you to be my Savior, I want to grow and mature this year. 
I want you to be my Lord and Master. If we can help you, would you come right now? Right where you stand, make decisions. Make the right choices. But if you're here today and we can help you, find the Lord as your Savior or help you with any area of your Christian life, please let us know right now. Thank God for this gentleman who's come forward and said, Pastor, I'm having serious lung problems. I've got to make sure I really know Jesus as my Savior. Now, folks, that's what it's all about. Now, you don't have to wait till you've got serious lung problems. Do you know Jesus today? Not just know about If there's any question mark at all in your heart, be honest with yourself. Lose that old pride. Let someone, God works through people, doesn't it? Let someone pray with you and help you. As we start this new year off, we're not worried about the clock. We're not worried. Hey, we're in the most important business in this world today. That's inviting people to Jesus. Helping each other grow in the Lord. That's all that's going to matter when you take that last breath in. Do you know Jesus? Are you living for Him and serving Him? I'm going to ask the pianist to play one more verse. Can we help you today? Young person, man, woman, member, visitor? Are you sure? Do you need help? Do you need someone to pray with you? Maybe answer a question you may have. Help you to know for sure that Jesus is your Savior. Would you just give it all to Him right now? Say, Lord, take me and help me to grow and be my Lord, be my Master. We can help you. You come right now. people said, Amen. Look right back this way. Did you know in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4, Paul said, Rejoice in the Lord. And again I say, Rejoice in the Lord. Now that's a command. Don't you just hate for somebody to command you to be happy? So I'm commanding you, whether you like it or not, to be happy in Jesus today. Amen. Truly, if you know Him as your Savior and you're willing to make Him the Lord of your life, that's a joy that this old world can't give you. There will be trials and heartaches. My Only God knows what's in store for 2019. 
because nothing can take the place of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen? So here's a command. Rejoice in the Lord. Good day. God bless you. We'll see you back here tonight.